you know, I just, I sense an anticipation. And I sense a joy. And I sense, uh, I sense the, the presence of the Lord. I got up a while ago and I walked back to the back and I began to count. And Farrell made mention last year, y'all, um, I'm going to take about five minutes here and say some things that uh, needs to be said. Uh, last year, the first Sunday of last year, was something that we had worked for and planned for for probably five or six months. And we hadn't had Sunday services here for years, not five or six years. We've been on Friday night only. And so the Lord spoke to us and went to the back and I just began to count heads. Did you know that today in this place we have 25 people present who were not here? They've come here only in the last 12 months? Yeah, give them a hand. That's a good thing. Now, to those of you, I know there's only seven or eight of us who were here on the first day, but you know, the rest of y'all have kind of come along in process, and some of y'all have been here eight or nine years, and some four or five years, and some three or four, and some two or three, some one, maybe just a month. But you listen to me now, and I may get into this a little further in the message, but one of the things I've heard God say loud and clear is that the people who are fresh faces to us, who've come along in the last year, last six months or the last month, you people who have been here for a while and you have experienced uh, our growth and our maturity, you've seen our mistakes and our successes, uh, you kind of got an idea and a handle on the picture, I want you, God wants you to befriend the new folks who come along, Okay? And tell them the stories of PWAC. Tell them the story of your life. Connect with them. Carry them out to eat lunch on Sunday. Just invest, you know, five or ten bucks. Carry them out to eat lunch sometime. Invite them over to your house. We have, we have really got to grow in this area of, of hospitality and the extension of our souls into the lives of other people because it's going to become critically important as time progresses that we have this bond this connection, this uh, tightness, if you will, with each other. And it's really important that we know each other to a depth that will allow us to traverse the path that God's got us on. Okay? Really going to need that. Listen, the future is full of fun. It's full of joy and it's full of excitement, but there's going to be challenges along the way. We're going to talk about some of those in just a little while. But I want you to know that we win. Jesus wins. He won this past year. We won this past year. And as we were standing here a year ago today, we were scratching our heads. Because I spoke some things out that, that kind of what we wanted to do. And, um, and I had no idea how those things would get done. But they've gotten done. I made this statement last year, the first, the first service of last year. I said this. I said, the ministry, I said, look around. You, I said, examine us and, and, and just look at, look at the community. And notice that the ministries, and we can substitute the word church for ministries, but the ministries who were not innovative and who didn't establish new ministries to work in the, the church, but also in the community in a different way, 
the ministries who did not develop new ministries that could be relevant to the culture that we live in were going to begin to fail. And I still believe that. And you know what God did? He brought a lot of new exciting stuff into this place. Really did. And if you got the In Jesus email the other day, you saw some things sort of encapsulated as to what God has done here in the last year. And I am so excited about what he has done. And I'm so excited about your participation. And we're going to get, some, we're going to get involved in some very specific things here in just a little while. What I believe I've heard the Lord say to me. And so last year as we were standing here, we didn't really have a clue as to how he would get done what he was going to do. And I'll be honest with you, I'm standing here again this year and some of the things I'm going to say, I don't have a clue how he's going to get it done. But I know he will get it done and he's going to do the majority of it through you. Okay? The majority of it will come through you. Yes, God does things sovereignly. He does things miraculously. He can do things in an instant. But I'm telling you, Day after day, step after step, he uses his people to get done in the earth what he wants to get done in the earth. And the interesting thing about how God works is if we hear him say something and we don't do it, you know what, he'll just give it to somebody else. Now the reason we have a lot of what we have today is because we have not been afraid to pick up mantles that other people have left on the ground. Okay. I remember when, I, when, when, when the dance was going on this morning, I remembered um, this month marks our beginning our 11th year pursuing the dance and freedom and worship. Dance and freedom and worship go hand in hand. Entering into 11 years, I think I can honestly say that, that freedom to dance and freedom to worship to the degree we, at which we enjoy that um, and I don't get around a lot, but you'd have to go a long way to find folks who are freer and who dance as often and as, as joyously as, as we do. You know? Y'all, okay, we've got two folks here that's been around a lot and they can say that. Okay? But it's a part of who we are. And that will never change. Those of you who've been here for a while, you know, there's, there's a few things that we will die for here. And the one thing, the predominant thing on our list that we will die for is we will die for your opportunity uh, to express yourself freely in worship. And in particular, dance. Because the dance has a breaker anointing on it and we've discovered that. Now, I didn't ask for permission to say this, okay? but it's part of being transparent and part of being honest. And I'm going to say this. Back beginning probably September or October, and we've talked about the offering stand a lot. We've talked about offerings and tithing. We've been very direct and very plain. Um, We issued an appeal to you for an increase in offerings and tithing. And we did that kind of starting in October. And in October, November, and December, I'm very happy to say that you have, you have met all those requirements. You have helped us meet all of our obligations. We were behind in October. 
pretty significantly. Okay? And we ask you to help, and you help. And we want to commend you for following the Spirit of the Lord and doing what you've done. And I think that we just need to praise the Lord for that. So let's just do that. Can we do that? Praise God. I'm going to give you a little hint into how to receive some of the things I say. Okay? When you hear me begin to hit on the same theme for a few weeks or a few months in the row, when, 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 when I began to say things sort of stressing it, and it may be just a little outside my normal message that I bring or the way I normally communicate it, you need to perk your ears up, okay? Because I do that because there's something behind it. Now, what I'm about to say I didn't ask for permission for, but I think you're old enough to handle it. We received a warning dream back at the end of last summer. And we didn't share this publicly, but we received a warning dream. And in that dream... Um, the enemy sent a message that beginning in October there'd be a really strong possibility that um, we would how would be a good way to put this that our ministry would be affected in such a way that we might have to shut down and it was through finances had a warning dream so we began to pray about that thing and put it before you and guess what happened? The devil lost again. Does things make a little better sense now? So what I'm saying is, is, is whenever we come out and we, we, we begin to ask for cooperation and help and, and, and you know this is something we need to do and that's something we need to do, need to understand that usually there's some sort of a prophetic word or dream associated behind it that we just, we've taken, taken it at face value and put it before the Lord, and this is what we believe, okay? And so you're, so you're such a great group at receiving, you know, what we come out here and say and do. I just tell you, you're some of the most flexible and long-suffering people on the face of this planet. And we're glad that you're here, and we're glad that you're a part, and we're glad that you support. Now, having said that, you can't let up. Can't let up. Can't let up. Keep doing what you're doing. Okay? Keep doing what you're doing. And, um, you know, keep contributing. Not only financially, but in other ways, too. Because we've got some things going on this year that's going to catapult us into where God wants us to be. Last year, we started at a, at a place, and God wound us up at a place that was a long, long way from where we started. It was, last year was a miracle for our ministry. And I believe this year is going to be a miracle. We live by that, okay? So now I'm going to start talking this morning about some things I believe I've heard God say. And um, as I was stirring these things over and over in my head this past week, I said, God, I said, gee whiz. I said, how can I find something encapsulated in, in the Scripture? I like to preach expositorily. I like to take a passage of Scripture and just go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I like to take the Word of God as a whole and as it stands. That's the way, that's the way I'm comfortable with it. I don't, like to, I don't like to do a topical sermon. Okay? Topical sermons are okay. But I like what the Word of God says, when it says it, and where it says it, and how it says it. And so God carried me to this passage of Scripture. So I'm going to read through this and we'll come back to it. Okay, Paul and Timotheus 
or Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds And in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That you may approve things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and the praise of God. I like it. Isn't that cool? Now, I did a little survey this week on Facebook, and I asked a question. I said, okay, as we head into 2010, name something that you feel God is looking for in us. One word answers, please. Even if you see your answer by someone else, Please post your answer. Thanks. I heard from 42 different people, which is about 10% of all my Facebook friends. Isn't that amazing? I thought that was a good response rate. I mean, mean, the, the guys who do these polls, what's the big dude's name? Gallup. Gallup doesn't even have a response rate like that. Gallup is less than 2% respondents of everything he sends out. Isn't that something? So we hit about 10%. Let me just share with you what our people said about what they think God was looking for in us in 2010. And there are no wrong answers, by the way. Abandonment, passion, intercession. Obedience came across four times. Dedication. Now some of these will sound kind of similar, okay, so y'all just don't. Cast stones at me for not having grouped them the way you would. Responsibility, follow through, devotion, eyes, E-Y-E-S. Intimacy came across two times. Surrender came across twice. Prosperity, himself, belief, and trust. Well, actually, belief and trust came through about four times. Repentance as a love word. I don't know exactly what that means, but repentance as a love word. Maybe some of y'all can help me later with that. Relationship, resolve. Two times the word love itself came across. Dedication came across. Encounter came across. Um, one lady pastor wrote in, Christ formed in us. Faithfulness came across. Christ came across. Wholeheartedness, unity, and loyalty. That's a pretty good list, didn't it? A really good list. And so these are some things that my friends, many of you responded, these are some things that my friends say that God is looking for us in 2010. Those things and a host of others. 
And I think to a degree, what, God, what you've heard God say that He's looking for in you in 2010 may be just a little different than what He's looking for in me, but it's all part of the same cookie. And what He is asking of you and what He is looking at you for, number one, He has equipped you for. Number two, it is special and unique to you, and it will perform God's purpose and plan in your life in a very unique, special way. And He'll perform that unique and specialness in your life, and He'll perform a uniqueness and a specialness in my life, and they may not be the two exact things, but it's going to get us down the road to make us look more like Jesus. Okay? That's part of the beauty of how God works. He can work in us different things. He can prune us of different things. He can add to us different things. He can give us a various anointing. We receive impartation or activation on various different things. And yet and still, it all propel us down the road to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And it's a beautiful thing as, as I have learned to get to know you guys. And as I am learning you and who you are, it is a glorious thing to me to see the individuality that God has placed in in our body and to hear you begin to express your story and to begin to hear you express what you desire from God and what you look for in ministry. As you begin to express that, it it is tremendously multifaceted, but yet and still, it's the same heartbeat of God in every single one of you. And it is a thing of great joy. One of the things that we need to look for in each other this next year is the design and the handiwork of God and learn to appreciate that. Without me putting my expectations on you and without you placing your expectations on me, yet and still praying and interceding for each other that God's handiwork would be displayed and demonstrated in our individual lives and to allow that expression to come out. That's that's sort of what Farrell was saying. Okay? And Cheryl doesn't know it, but Cheryl, you know, I started just to, to hand her my laptop and say, Cheryl, go preach because you, you're right down the road this morning, coming in on it. Okay? But last year, the word of the Lord for us was expansion, expansion, expansion. And from where I stood on January the 1st or 2nd or 3rd or whenever it was that we met, It was just, I'm telling you, it was a mystery to me how God was going to do that. But we did that. We expanded. Now, as I stand before you today, the single word that would best express what I feel God is saying to this ministry is perfection. As in completion. As in finishing. As in nailing it down, doing the job, and going on not only to the next place, but enjoying what He allows you to finish this year. This is going to be a year that we're going to take the expansion that we had last year and we're going to bring it into a more excellent aspect than we could ever possibly imagine. I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of things I need to finish. 
Now, there are some things I like to finish, and there are other things I don't like to finish. I do not like detail work. You know, if I were in construction, here's what I would like to do. I would like to be, if I were in construction, I would be a dude who would come into a place like this. I would like to lay the foundation, erect the walls and the roof, get the superstructure going on, and then hire the detail people to come in and do the wiring and the lighting and the plumbing and the drywall work, and then let somebody else actually finish it out, do the door jams and the painting and all that kind of stuff. You know, I don't, you know, if I had to hang drywall, I'd go crazy. If I had to get a little detailed saw and, and, and do the, the framework around that door, I'd go nuts. You know? If I were the one who, who had to paint that door jam, I would probably do it different than the guy who actually painted that door jam. Can I share with you a pet peeve of mine? And those of you in construction probably laugh me out of the house. I've never been able to figure why during the finish work that the trim around the doors and the floors would be installed unpainted after you get the carpet down and the main wall painted. Then you've got to edge this sucker to keep the paint off the carpet and off the other wall. Now I realize some people have a steady hand. okay, But you know the way I would do that? I would take all of my, uh, my coping and, and uh, all that kind of stuff, and I would go outside and get me a bunch of saw horses and a, and a sprayer. A, a, one of them, um, what you call them? A hand sprayer, a compressed air sprayer. And I'd paint everything white. I'd paint all the, the, uh, the coping and the framing and stuff white, and then I'd bring it in and let somebody else saw it and go back and putty up or dress up where they put the hammer on it. You know, That's the way I'd do it. But this is going to be a year of finishing. Now, there's going to be some expansion involved. We're going to have, we're going to have to, we're going to have to, we're going to have to uh, make adjustments. We're going to have to refine stuff. We're going to have to make changes in little things to refine and fine tune. Okay. We heard the Lord say also last year that we needed to be careful because they were coming. Speaking of the youth. And it was going to happen real quickly. And it did happen quickly. And we needed to be prepared. We tried to be prepared. But we kind of did stuff on the fly and on the run. Now what we've got to do this year is we've got to take what God has given us. And we've got to be sure to utilize what God has given us the way Jesus wants it to be utilized. And whatever, whatever way we need to refine that. We'll do that. Now, Ken and Brandy, you know, you guys have probably got stuff going on in your head already, how that's going to happen. And you know what? I trust Ken and Brandy to do that. I trust them. Trust them to do that. We'll talk about that some in a minute too, okay? But anyway, where I want us to go is I want us to go to verse 6, okay? And I want us to kind of concentrate on verse 6 this morning and from there on to sort of share with you what I believe I hear God saying we need to do this year, what we need to be, and the way we need to approach 2010. Okay? Verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Being confident of this very thing, that he has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What does confident mean? 
Well, what Paul is saying when he uses the word confident is that he has been persuaded to be confident. Okay, He didn't walk in there on the first day and say, I'm confident in you. The way Paul received this measure of confidence with the church in Philippi concerning all the things that he mentioned to them, the way he received confidence in them was from the activity of being with them and learning from them that they were confident and that he was confident with them. It was, it was a growth and it was a process of maturity. I can't really be confident in anybody concerning anything the first day I meet them. Now, can I? Now, our tendency is, I think, that's good to have discernment, and discernment will get you way down the road, but I think our tendency as people is to maybe, I'll say this in a loose way, and please don't get mad with me or throw anything. Our tendency is to trust people too quickly. And to, this is my fault. And to overshoot some of the basic relational relationship forming processes that we need to engage in before we kind of come to a conclusion. And what Paul is saying is, is that we've come to the conclusion by being together and having experiences together, by eating together, by fellowshipping together, by worshiping together, by being taught the ministry of the Word together. I've come to the place where I am now confident. That's a good thing. We need, and I think we are, I think we're getting there. We're getting to the place where we are confident in each other. And it's confident. Confidence. Confidence that allows, it's sort of like, it's sort of like the propeller on the end of the shaft that drives things. Ladies, men, those of you who are married, I know there's this such thing as love at first sight. I know that. But it would be a very small percentage of the married couples that I've ever met who actually the first moment they laid eyes on their, the, their future wife or husband, you might have fallen in love right then, but love is not confidence, is it? And you wouldn't have married that person if you hadn't had some degree of confidence in them as to who they were. What they believed in. And y'all, I'm telling you, it's, it's such a great thing to be able to present to you. Whoever teaches to be able to present to you uh, the word of the Lord and to have a confidence that you'll measure it. So anyway, we, we, we've got to be confident. Okay, be confident in each other. To be persuaded. He says this, he says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform this work until the day of Jesus Christ. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun, started, started a good work, Here's something that's really cool. The word work, it is something of it's something that is constitutional in nature. In its very nature, in its very impact. The work that God has started in. Now, this made me want to just kind of jump off the housetop this morning. It may not excite you to the place it excited me, 
But the work that God has started in me is constitutional. Let me use another word. It is foundational. It is basic and it is steadfast. It is constitutional. The work that He's done in me or Christ Jesus the Lord that He's put in you is constitutional from the standpoint is it is something of truth and of value and of substance that you can with confidence build your life on and not have to worry about it. See, I knew you wouldn't get as happy about that as I did. But see, there's a, there's a theological implication to that. And it's like this. It's what God has put in Tony. The devil, uh, debt, trouble, health, bad health, whatever happened to me. Now, Tony's not going to have any of those things, okay? I'm just declaring him blessed, prosperous, good health all the days of his life. Never have an ache or a pain. Never be sick. Never have a drippy nose, okay? But whatever comes along in Tony's life is something that the work of God that has started in his life can't be shortchanged with. It can't be disturbed because it is constitutional, unmoving, unfailing in every single regard and in every activity of life. In every season of life, be it daytime or darkness. Regardless of how old or how young he is. See, God has started something in you. Maybe it's beginning to catch fire. Maybe it's beginning to catch momentum now. Maybe you have lived all your life and you've waited on the moment, but you can kind of feel the wheels begin to turn and you can feel that work coming up within you. Maybe you're just beginning to identify it now. But some of you have been after this thing for years and years and years and years and you haven't found, you haven't made connection with the work of God in your life. And let's just use the word destiny. Let's just use that word. We haven't connected with the full work and destiny of God that's been planted in us. But Paul is saying, he says, I am confident of this one thing, that he, meaning God, who has started or begun this constitutional good work in your life, he'll not fail, but he'll bring it to completion. That's what he's saying. And if you're doubting this morning, if you've heard, if you've been questioning, if you have just been absolutely besieged by the idea from the enemy that God is slow, He's never going to come through. I'm confused about what He wants me to do. I'm telling you what, listen to me today. Whatever it is that He started in you, He's going to be faithful to perform it, to bring it out, to declare it, to make it real, to give it prosperity and success. He has That's part of His plan. Now, there's some obligations on your part too. See, God's done this thing. As far as he's concerned, it's settled. So how do you take and build on that good work that God has done in your life? How do we do that this year in the ministry? I simply believe and declare, he started a good work in this ministry. Okay? I recognize the fact that we're like a 10-year-old child. How many of y'all got 10-year-olds in your house? It's a pure joy, isn't it? They always do everything right. They never make a mess. They're always reverent. They always put on the right clothes. They never sass you. They never cry and whine. They never fight with each other. Okay? Where's that? Where are they at? Huh? Your 10 year olds aren't that way? 13 year olds?
You know what the glory of God is in this situation? We're 10 years old. There's some things we haven't accomplished. There's some things we haven't done yet. There's some things we haven't even discovered yet. And everything we do here isn't perfect. It's not finished up. But you know what the glory of that is? We don't have to rely on maturity according to age. We can rely on maturity according to the workings of God in us who works mightily. And see, that's the end of the spectrum that I'm going so hard after. I want to be mature. I don't want to act like a child anymore. I don't want to have to be babied along and carried along. I want to walk with God like Enoch walked with God. I want, to, I want to tempt God to the place where I'm walking with Him to a degree and a level of maturity and intimacy with Him. I want to trick Him into thinking, you know, maybe this needs to be the third one I yank out of this thing. Come on, Keith, let's just, let, me just, let me show you my house. Let me show you the rest of the family. Let me show you the, the angelic host that you've never seen before. Let me show you the throne room and the, and the sea of glass. Let me show you the walls of the great city and all of the gates therein, the jasper and the sardine stone, the emeralds and the rubies, the diamonds, the silver and gold. Come let me show you that. You see, I want to get that to the place with God. I want to get to that place in maturity. And I'll say this. This is what my desire is for our ministry. Is that we get to the place where together corporately, one Friday night, he just gets tempted just to take the whole lot of us. Wouldn't that be great? Can you see this? This is what God wants from us out of this year. He wants us to be in that place. To tempt him to the place where he just take the whole lot of us. But you know what? When we get to that place, that's when we can really be used by him, isn't it? So it would be counterproductive to his plan just to yank us all up out of this thing and show us the grandeur and glory of the throne room in heaven and all it has to offer. It would be counterproductive to him because when we get to that place is whenever we can really do the best work for him. It's a place of maturity. It's a place of glory. And we can have, we can have the glory of God right here. Okay? But Paul was persuaded. He was concerned. And he was confident. God had begun a good work, something of a great constitution. This business that God had placed him in, his occupation and his undertaking, everything that God had begun, he said that God would perform it, bring it to an end, accomplish it, make it perfect. God would execute his program and his plan. He took it upon himself to do that. God's going to do that for us. Until, until what? Until the farthest, the word until, is the farthest bounds, the uttermost parts, the end, the highest, the extreme through the idea of terminus. Of the earth and of the heavens. So see this thing that God has started in you. This thing He is developing in you. This thing that He is allowing you to in some way uh, begin to sense and to explore and to feel and to recognize as real and tangible. This thing He's put in you, this life of God in you, this constitutional work. He started it. He's going to finish it. He's bringing it to a place of terminus. You know what that means? Anybody want to guess? Completion, but not, not terminus as of terminated end, like it hasn't mattered or hasn't done any good. It is, it, 
It's like Jesus on the cross saying, it is finished now. That's what he's going to bring you to, to a place where it is finished, perfected and completed. But you know, I tell people this all the time. I got so sick years ago of hearing people say, uh, they, they preach on the seven sayings of the cross and they get down to the place where Jesus cried out, it is finished. And some guy or some lady said, okay, it was finished. Jesus' work was done. Everything he wanted to do had been accomplished. And then he was received into the hands of the Father. Well, that's partially true, but that's not the whole story. You know what the whole story is? That phase, that aspect, that area, that season in Christ's work on this ball of a planet that we call was finished but his work was not over because when Jesus ascended into heaven there he now is making intercession for us according to the will of God that's what the word says and so we can take what 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 Paul is expressing to the Philippian people in the context of that and say that God is going to complete the work he started us he's going to finish that work he's going to allow us to do it with a with the complete and total finishing of it in this phase. You see, there is a phase that we need to finish. One of the things, now I'm going to share something with you, okay? We're kind of getting uh, into the personal end of this, and I've got just a few minutes. I can do this this morning. Um, I never really liked being a pastor, Okay? I was never called to be a pastor. I'm called to be something else. I walk in an apostolic anointing. It's my, it's my calling and my desire in life to build something, to establish something that's never been before. That's what gives me joy. That's what makes my heart pump. That's what gets me up in the morning is, is to establish something that has never been before and to watch it grow. One of the things that will frustrate a traditional pastor is the fact that when he engages a lot of times he'll come into the work of another man and he'll take a ministry or a church and, and carry it to a certain place and then move on somewhere else. One of the things that frustrates a pastor is that the stuff, the work he puts his hand to, he never really sees any completion in it because he's just entering into the work of another man or woman and then at some point leaving it into the works in the hands of another person. That is one of the most frustrating things about a pastor is he never sees the end product. The only way he can see the end product is like, through the, like it was of the faith of Abraham. Abraham had to look and believe in the promise rather than the realization that he was going to actually walk on a piece of land that had his name on it. He walked in the promise that that would be his and it would fall as an inheritance to his children. And so one of the things in a traditional pastoral sense is that pastors can't see the finished product. I'm going to tell you something. God's going to see the finished product in your life. He's never going to be disappointed to the place where he's going to yank the work out of you. There's always going to be something on the inside burning and churning and turning on the inside of you that won't let you rest. Okay? And he's going to see the finished product. And one of the great things about working apostolically in the kingdom of God and in this thing we call church, one of the great things about being apostolic is with an apostolic eye, you can see the fulfillment of it. But rather seeing the fulfillment of it in a building or a superstructure 
or something like that. I see the fulfillment of it in the people that I minister to, serve with, and love as my church family. See, you've got to look at it with a different set of eyes. You can't look at it like everybody else looks at it. And so I'm learning to look at this thing called the work and the destiny or the ministry with a different set of eyes. And I think that's our challenge, part of it at least. We've got to begin to look at things differently and seeing what it is that God wants to do and what He's established and looking for the characteristics and the, and the indicators that He's doing exactly what He said He was going to do. And therefore, you can find fulfillment in that. Okay, now let's go a little bit further, okay? That's sort of the introduction of all this. There's some things, there's exactly four things that Paul said the church needed to fulfill, okay? That God was going to work in them. There's four ways that the church participated with God in the things that God wanted to build. And I actually thought about these things separately this week until I discovered them. They was all bound up together. Isn't God good about that? He just bound it all up together. He put it in one place so it would be easy for me to find. I'm not good at looking for Easter eggs or stuff like that because I look over the obvious, but... There's four ways that you, that you participate with God this year. Not only in this ministry, but at home and in your private life. There's four things that God is looking for out of us. Number one, that love would abound. It doesn't matter. I'm going to just let you in on a secret. It doesn't matter how big the building. It doesn't matter how many people. It doesn't matter the strength of the coffer. It doesn't matter how the it doesn't matter anything about all those things in terms of church and ministry. None of those things matters. Decorations, decor, carpet. None of those things matters unless the body who inhabits those walls to receive ministry from the Lord and ministry from each other and teaching from the Word and the ability to express worship, none of that stuff matters unless it's all mitigated by a genuine, heartfelt, Christ-like mind for each other. And the older I get, the more I'm convinced that we cannot express the love of Jesus to a lost and dying world unless we love each other, unless it starts first here. And from there, the concentricity of the love of God will go out in waves and it will allow us to touch and to impact and to get done what needs to be done. We've got to love each other. And we've been, we've been learning to do that for the last 10 years. And I'll be honest with you. For a few of those years, we were not real successful at it. I'm telling you the truth. And then God gently and wonderfully and in a, in, a, in a wooing type way, He began to work in us. And He began to, he began to stir us up to, to love for each other. Because it got to the place after a while, that's really all we had. People were going through so much stuff and so many things that the only thing we had left to offer each other was the love of Jesus. And taking each other just exactly like we are. Now, we've got to keep doing that. And the opportunities for expanding in the love of Christ face us every week. 
It is rare that we ever meet here that we don't have somebody brand new and fresh. And I'm going to tell you something. The highest compliment that I've ever heard come off the lips of people is that when somebody will come to the door and say, you know, I can feel that you guys love each other. I'll be frank with you. Nothing else really matters. Not one thing. Yeah, we look a little weird. We do things that's not traditional. And we'll hoop and we'll holler. And sometimes we'll throw up our hands. Occasionally you can even see somebody throw a fit here. You know, I'm just telling you the truth. And just because you don't see them throw the fit don't mean they haven't thrown the fit. But it's being able to love people through all their stuff and through all your stuff. The great, probably the greatest challenge in loving other people through their stuff is learning to love people through your stuff. That's, I've just discovered that. And I got lots of stuff. Matter of fact, the more stuff God removes from me, the more stuff I find. Can I get a witness? Anybody, anybody been there? You know, I don't know when he's going to stop. I used to think it got old, better, easier as you got older, but it don't get any easier. As a matter of fact, he takes the easiest stuff to remove first, and then he works down to the hard stuff. And the older you get, the more resistant you are to let go of all the stuff you've had all your life. And you whine and cry and you moan and groan because it hurts so bad. But it's learning to love each other through your stuff. That's the complicated part. That's the hard part. But see, this year is going to be a year of you engaging what you're called to do and loving everybody else while you try to do what you're called to do. Now, if you don't think that's a challenge, you know, talk to Ken and Brandy. You know, this past year, whenever the youth department began to expand and stuff, you know, uh, boy, it was, it was overwhelming. You know, I asked him one time, I said, I said, give me the names of the new kids in the youth group. Something to that effect. We sit in the office back there. He said, I don't know their names. <laughs> I don't know their names. He said, I can't keep up with them. That was a challenge. Now he knows, I think he knows most of her names now. But I tell you what happened. He learned, he discerned who they were, and he loved them just like they were. So as you engage in ministry, and listen, if you don't know where you belong, you need to go back and, and, and re- let me just give you a place to start. Go back and read in Jesus and see what we got going on and ask God where can you plug in in one of those places. Some of you have got an idea. Some of you, God is birthing new ministries in you, and you've got an idea of it now in your heart and in your spirit, and you don't know how to express that to, to us in a way of, so you can, you can begin to do it. I mean, just, you're, going to have to, you, you're just going to have to have the fortitude in you sometimes to come to me and say, Pastor, Brother, Apostle, Keith, whatever you don't call me, I don't care. You have, you're just going to have to be able to come to me or somebody say, Listen, God's given me an idea for ministry. It's stirring in my heart. This is what it is. 
Okay? You need to do that. I'm giving you the invitation to do that starting today. Okay? We need to hear that. We need to know what's in your spirit so we can help facilitate whatever it is God's put there. I cannot, we cannot be responsible for things that we don't know. But a good place to start is where we're in there already. But if you don't really fit there and you've got something really just burning on the inside of you, you need to step up and come see us because it's all right to express your feelings and your ideas. Okay, that's the way, that's the way it is. Everybody okay with that? You need to step up. Number one, you need to get involved because that's critical for us being successful. You've got to engage ministry. You've got to engage, you need to engage ministry. I hate to say got to because that's like an ultimatum and a command. You need to engage the ministry that God has for you. And sometimes you have to experiment with it. You know, <laughs> used to, I remember in, 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 uh, in uh, some of the churches I pastored, if somebody wanted to be in ministry and you didn't know where to put them, you know where you sent them? To the youth department. Okay, that's where you sent them because you didn't, couldn't facilitate it any other way, so you sent them to the youth department that the youth had on them. Ken, do you need help? Okay. Now, we're not going to, if you come in here and want to work with the youth, we're not going to send you there because we have to. We're going to send you there because God's made a place for you. See what I'm saying? Farrell's already declared, he didn't know this, Farrell's already declared that this is going to become a place to teach. And if God's given you a message, we want to hear from you. Okay? You don't have to go somewhere else necessarily. There's a lot of people in this ministry, and I'm just going to declare prophetically now, there's a lot of people in this ministry who's going to be going out and teaching. A lot of people. But you can start here. I'm not going to keep you from going to where you need to go. I'm not saying you've got to start here first, but there's a place here for you. But if He's called you to go, we're going to go. Okay? Because there's a word God has put in you that needs to be declared. And we want to facilitate that. But, I, you know, and I've got some ideas on how that's going to work. And I'll be sharing with you maybe in a couple, three weeks how that's going to work, I think. So, a place is being made for you. A place has been made for you. God really has done it. You know, we haven't taken an organizational chart out and said, well, this, 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 and this. No, God's making a place for you. And we're going to have a general plan, but we're also going to be spontaneous enough not to allow things to slip past us that we need to do. So you've got to love each other. We've got to love each other. got to love each other. Love, 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 love. Okay? The other thing is, we need to approve excellent things. Those good things that come along, we need to discern after examination, and that's what the word means, after examination, is to recognize something to be excellent. Okay? To approve things that are excellent. Third thing, we're to love, we're to approve, we're to examine, to discern, we're to be sincere and without offense. Did y'all know we worked through the whole of last year talking about beware of offenses and how Jesus got up and he just declared to the people, he said, offenses will come. You're going to be given the opportunity to become offended. And you're going to be absolutely convinced that you have the right to be offended. Any y'all been there? I've been there. Oh, yes, fully justified in, my, in the way I feel offense. Fully justified. You can't convince me of any other thing. You have offended me. I am fully justified for being mad at you and withholding forgiveness or withholding fellowship 
Or, I got so mad with you, I think I'm just going to leave. I don't like what you say, I don't like what you do. I'm just going to leave this ministry, I'm never going to come back. Let me just give you a little seed for thought. And it's this. As I look out over you, (laughs) there's almost not one single person here who hasn't been offended by another church or somebody in a church or somebody in leadership in another church. I I I I don't see somebody who hasn't experienced that. Now, a lot of you, when that happened, after it happened repeatedly and so many times, you just decided to check out and bail. Do you know how many people, how many of you have come to me and said, you know, um, I decided I'd never, ever, ever go back to church again after being hurt? Well, you know what the enemy does? The enemy a lot of times, now, I, now I, personally, I'm glad you're here today. Personally, I'm glad you're here, so don't misunderstand. I'm glad you're here. But you know what the enemy will do? A lot of times in those offenses, he'll come and cause you to be offended or give you the opportunity to be offended just to get you out of something you need to be in. When offense comes your way this year, when the opportunity for for you to be offended with me or the person sitting beside you or the person behind you or somebody in the sound booth or somebody on stage, when that opportunity comes along, you need to recognize it for what it is. And you need to deal with it. And you don't need to become offended. What you do is, if you, had, if you got your feelings hurt, go to somebody and tell them. That's the way we operate around here. Don't come to me. Don't tell me that so-and-so hurt your feelings. Go to so-and-so. Say, listen, I have my feelings hurt and here's why. I'm not blaming you, but I just, you know, I just want to work through this if we possibly can. That's the way that works. We've had so much success by people doing that in the past here. Don't become offended. Love each other. Discern what's going on. Approve those things that are excellent, but be sincere and without offense. You know what sincere means? Oh, it's so cool. The word sincere means to be determined pure in the light of the sun. Okay? To be determined pure by the light of the sun. To be determined pure by the light of the sun. Sincerity. It's like not being afraid to open yourself up to the light of Jesus and say, Jesus, show me where I'm wrong. And not listening to the devil when he says so and so is wrong. That's a novel idea, isn't it? When you get offended, throw open your spirit to God. Say, God, okay, show me. Show me where I'm not sincere. Show me where the impurities are. So that you will know. The enemy won't do that. But the enemy will try to show you the impurities in the person who's hurt you. Okay? So there's going to be opportunity for offense. But it has to be dealt with properly. And then the fourth thing is to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. To demonstrate the fruits of right living. 
right judgment, right interacting. Now, have I thoroughly confused you today? I've been just specific enough to be general, haven't I? Which is not exactly what I intended. But the message today is, and I'll take it where Cheryl put it out, you know, get involved. Engage what God has put in you to do. Engage. If, you know, if, if this ministry is something that you can participate in and support, engage it at some level. If you dance, talk to those on the dance team. If you sing, play music, talk to Natasha. If you want to teach, talk to me. You see what I'm saying? Engage this ministry at some level. If you've got a prophetic gift, come see me. We want to engage that. See what I'm saying? We want you to be engaged. Many of you are. But those of you who aren't, we want to engage you. So every single one of us has that potential. We need to jump square on everything that God has allowed us to expand in, and we need to finish it up. We need to do it with a degree of excellence. Now, you can challenge me on this. Whenever you see me not doing my job with a degree of excellence, or my ministry with a degree of excellence, you have, you have my permission to come and talk to me. Because I want to know where the rough areas are. I want to know how I can improve. Now come with the right spirit, okay? <laughs> had one guy come one time to me uh, back in another church, and he said, i got to talk to you. I said, what is it? He said, I need to tell you something, but I just don't think you're going to receive it. Well, you know, when somebody starts like that, that's just really bad. And you know it's coming. And so you brace yourself. I said, well, I said, no, no, no. What I should have told him. Okay, well, if I'm not going to receive it, you need to just leave. <laughs> now, that's what I would say now. But, you know. But I, said, okay. I said, no, no, it's okay. Tell me. I can take it. And so he looked at me and said, I don't get a thing out of your preaching. And so that led us into a, a discussion. Okay. <laughs> see there was an opportunity for an offense too wasn't there uh, the end of that story is it hurt a little bit but I didn't take offense now he's got issues but I got some too and it ended up as well as it could end up I think we see each other today, we still hug each other, we still love each other. I call him brother, he calls me brother. So it's, it's, it's all good. But see, there was an opportunity. Engage yourself this year. We need you and you need us. Or you need the Jesus that's in us, let me put it that way. Because how did, how did Pharaoh, how did you say that a while ago? It's what? Body on body or what was it? Not that wasn't it. Huh? Each of us are going to teach each of us. That's better than the way I said it. <laughs> but you see, yeah. <laughs> you see, I, there's things I need to improve on, okay? 